Welcome to the Black Mystic Podcast, a place for open and ongoing conversations with people of the BIPOC community. In these conversations, we discuss everything from spirituality, creativity, personal development, and more. I'm your host, Marquita, a wellness advisor and online spiritual business manager by day and a mystic all day, every day. For more information, visit MarquitaOchoa.com. As you tune into these conversations, remember that you are sovereign. You have your own wisdom and your own information. Take what resonates with you and leave the rest. Enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Black Mystic Podcast, Saki. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, Thank you so much for just making the time to sit down with me to talk more about who you are and what it is that you do. So for folks that don't know you like I do, if you can explain a little bit about yourself, um, where you came from, your background, what you do, and yeah, all that good stuff. This is High Black <laughs> Podcasters, listeners. <laughs> My name is Saki. Um, I'm originally from Philadelphia. I went to school at Morgan State University in Baltimore, lived in Baltimore for five years, currently living in Tucson, Arizona. I'm an astrologer, a ley line practitioner, an energy worker, a filmmaker, a painter. I'm just hella creative, y'all. And I'm very fortunate and grateful to have created a life where um, my creativity takes up most of my space and time. That's beautiful. Um, So I want to tell people how we met and talk a little bit about our astrology because I think it's so funny. Um, So we met in a mutual community about, I want to say, three years ago. And I was just really attracted to like your vibe, your voice, all of that good stuff. And I actually moved to Tucson because you did my astrocartography. So if you can talk a little bit about what is astrocartography because I don't think a lot of people know about it or how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so astrocartography is literally just the process of taking um, a map of your natal chart and laying it across a map of the earth. So it's like taking the four major houses, the uh, the fourth house, which is ruled by Cancer, the 10th house, which is ruled by Capricorn, the first house ruled by Aries and the seventh house ruled by Libra. So these four major areas of life, the self, relationship, home and career, and then laying it across the map of the earth and then just seeing like which um, geographical locations would activate certain seasons in your life. And the way that I do this as a ley line practitioner, I'm also like tuning into your ancestral energy, your karma, your dharma, your guides, what's being shown to me clairvoyantly. So I'm, so I'm kind of like reading like the astro uh, uh, transits and then also interpreting like the energy coming up from the earth, your, your particular connection with the earth. And it is my most popular session. It's also why I'm out in Arizona as well. Um, and yet to your point of like our astrology, I'm a Taurus sun, Aquarius moon, cap rising, and your Cancer sun, Taurus moon, Aquarius rising. That's right. So yeah, it's just real sister vibes. <laughs> I love it. So if we can back up a little bit and talk about ley line work, it's pretty new to me. What exactly is that? Oh gosh. Okay. So, hmm. 
do you mind if I take the scenic route? Please, <laughs> please do. I'm a hella colorful person, y'all. <laughs> um, so my guides in Baltimore introduced me to ley line work in about 2017, I want to say. But I think that like my relationship with the earth and like what it's grown into began unfolding and blossoming since like a kid. My dad always was like obsessed with trees and would be like, oh, look, the ancestors are in the trees waving at us. And, you know, years later, I find out that the word and um, for person and tree is the same in Congo um, mm -hmm. because they're like the same energy. Um, and so, yeah, this has been like um, blossoming and unfolding for me for many years. And in Baltimore, I really began to understand the impact of Masonic grid work. And so understanding, um, and that's not like, that's not like a scary thing, I guess. I guess it can be, it's not really a scary thing, but um, for those that are listening and for us here, it's literally just the energetic imprints of how a city is made, for example, right? Um, it's an extension of redlining, if you guys know what redlining is, of just like a um, segregation by like area code and zip code, right? Now we're talking about area code and zip code, and then when you touch into Masonic grit work, it comes into even like how buildings are formed and where they're facing and how a street is laid out, where a park is placed. Um, and, and all of those things kind of, in effect, um, piggyback off of segregation, right? Keeping things separate. So when I was living in Baltimore, I was living at, um, what is it, Madison in Utah, Madison and Lafayette. And it's a really interesting neighborhood because on one side you have Bolton Hill, which is a really popular and like um, up uh wealthy neighborhood then you have like this little median park in the middle and it's like a ring of roses and trees and benches it's really pre uh, pretty and beautiful and then directly on the opposite side you have like the hood right and so i lived on the side of the hood and my guides would have me go to these little tiny parks in the neighborhood and do qigong and breathe with the trees and kind of activate my being and they would have me walk around from the hood side to like the Bolton Hill side. And they would ask me like, you know, what are you noticing? What are you tuning into? And I would be like, okay, on the Bolton Hill side, architecturally, it's very open. The trees are uh, taller. Things are a little bit more spaced out. I'm like walking big, I'm looking up, I'm taking it in. On the hood side, you know, I'm walking into like despair, anger, intrusive thoughts. I, my aura was like completely open at this point, y'all do not recommend. Um, and it was just like really cramped, right? Even like there was like a project um, establishment there and it had like cinder blocks around it, but the entrance and exit was like not facing the park, even though the park was right next to it. Right. So these like little things that like we can overlook, but that have a really big impact on containing and directing energy. Right. So this is what I call grid work. Right. So this is the, the again, I told you I was going to take the scenic, the scenic group. Right. But so the grid work is just like the inorganic ways of manipulating and organizing energy. Right. And then I relate to ley line work as the organic ways that the earth organizes energy, right? This is the natural meridians and channels of the earth. So for example, the way a river may flow, 
right? The way that like the clouds may move, the way that a mountain carves through a landscape, all of these things contribute to the way, to the energetic ecosystem of a place. And so as a ley line practitioner, I'm very intimate with the elementals, with geography, with space and form. And whenever I go to a place, I'm always checking out like the grid work. So like the architecture of it. So like when I went to Sedona, I'm like, okay, cool. This is the place of vortexes. And there's so many like roundabouts here. And there's things like the, the architecture mirrors what the land is up to. Right. And so I, I tend to love cities that have that relationship. But then like on the East Coast being from Philly and Baltimore. So these are my primary reference points. It's like, this Masonic grid work and way of organizing energy is clashing with the organic ley line energy. So as far as like everything that you just explained while you were talking, I was wondering, are there any places that are special to you when it comes to energy and ley line work where you like to do this work? Oh, man. Damn. <laughs> That's such a, um, I just like, clicked my heart um my sacred my most sacred site um is a big grandmother tree that like raised me and i'm from philly y'all but i'm an honorary baltimorean i feel like because like philly birthed me but baltimore raised me um and there's a place there called um I always mix it up with Gates Pass. It's not Gates Pass, obviously. It's, um, damn. It's a waterfall out there in a national park. And I have gone there for like several birthdays. And in my film, Earth and Energies, actually, is the tree that I'm sitting in. And it's a huge, gigantic tree with an open, like, tree wound. And I've like cried in there. I've given offerings in there. It's how I learned how to make altars. Um, yeah, and it's it's such a sacred place to me. Um, like in the heart of, it's not in the heart of Baltimore, but it's really close to Baltimore. And that's one of my most sacred places. I went to New Orleans in um, 2022 um, and I fell in love with the Igungun tree in Congo Square. I feel like um, sacred sites for me are always revolving with trees. I'm such a tree person. Trees taught me how to meditate. They taught me Qigong. They taught me how to run my energy. They taught me how to connect to a planetary consciousness and the consciousness of the roots. And so wherever there's a tree, honestly, I'm going to be good. <laughs> nice. Do you have like a particular tree that you love? So I know here out here in Arizona, the species of trees are so different than mm -hmm. Philadelphia. So how do you connect to the trees here? Um, so to answer the first part, my favorite tree of all time is a magnolia tree. And mm -hmm. when I die, hopefully I'll have like land. I want to have like a little ancestral cove and I want to be turned into a tree. And then I want my like grandkids to come sit under me and I want to like drop um, seed pods on their head. Like, girl, leave that man alone. <laughs> but I love magnolia trees. They're so special to me. Um, out here in Arizona, I find that I'm really having deep kinship with eucalyptus trees. There's so many eucalyptus trees out here. 
the mesquite trees are really sweet, but they teach, I feel like their medicine is like a lot, like around boundary work. And they're like, girl, don't, I remember like when I first moved out here, I was like walking in the tree, I was just like rubbed in mesquite and like my hand was bleeding. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like covered in thorns and I didn't look. Um, but yeah, the eucalyptus trees really hold it down for me out here. And the cottonwood trees actually. The cottonwood trees are like really big bodied and furry and just so sweet. How yeah, about you? Me, I've been connecting with the, I, I love palm trees. I have always loved palm trees, but I've really been connecting with the different species of cacti out here. And I feel like for me, cacti have been teaching me boundaries, have been reminding me of boundaries and to stand tall and to, you know, go with the flow. And like when I see the sogaros, is that how you say it? Sogaros, like their arms and the different like forms and shapes and every everything is different, but they're still holding their own. And that's what it reminds me of to just stand tall and keep my boundaries. And they're so majestic and they're so old and I remember I was telling you the other night, um, they know so much mm -hmm. and I find so much value in that. So whenever I'm out in the mountains looking at the cacti, I'm like, I wonder what happened here. So I just, mm -hmm. I love the cacti. I know like they're just very straightforward, just tall and whatever. And, you know, completely different from a species of trees from Illinois, but I just so love the cacti out here. Yeah, you know, the saguaros are my homies and they take yeah. hundreds of years to form and to get that tall. And really cool thing about them too, like in the inside, they have like bones and like ribs and like bark. You know, sis, I love me like some torch dancing with some <laughs> saguaro ribs in the middle of the desert at a fire is awesome. I didn't even know that until I got here. I'm like, what is this like random wood everywhere? I had no, I mean, it, it makes complete sense, but I had no idea that they had this like internal structure inside of it. I thought they just stood like that, but that's so awesome. And yes, the torch dancing is very, very entertaining. <laughs> so as far as astrocartography, so you spoke about ley line work. What, what led you to astrocartography? Hmm. So I've been a timekeeper for several lifetimes. Um, my connection with the earth, the stars, um, and how like our planet relates to the other planets in this solar system has been something that has been just continuously watered, nurtured, and remembered in me since a kid. Um, I think I was in Baltimore and I was like connecting with the homie. We were just like popping around and doing things. And then I just started doing astrocartography. Like we were having conversations about it. We were exploring it amongst ourselves. And then I was like, okay, cool. This is, yeah. I And I had like this intuitive relationship with it because I had been doing astrology for about three or four years um, as a service already. Uh, no, not, no, excuse me, for like two years as a service at that point, but three or four years as a like practice. And so like I had, I do like a lot of different rituals with the planets where I'm like just building relationship with them. So when I started to like lean into my relationship with astrocartography as a tool for myself and then as a service, eventually it just felt natural. Like, you know, you have like the little, um, 
the online tool you can use to uh, translate the lines and you can click those lines and they'll have, you know, translations or meanings. And for me, I was like, oh, no, get that out of here. That's not it. No, because <laughs> I'm like I'm connecting with what's coming up from the earth and what's coming down from your chart, as well as like with the guides. And so when I was doing it for myself and my friend, it, I just like got really good at it. I don't know. It just it was very intuitive for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I remember I tried to, I saw you online talking about it and I'm like, let me just go online and try and do it. And I saw these lines and I just wanted to cry. I'm like, I'm not about to do all of this. I'm just going to pay Saki to read it for me. And I didn't know what to expect when you did uh, my husband, like our astrographography together. Um, but we got, I feel like we got so much more than what we paid for at the time. Um, it was excellent. It was very intuitive. It was very, um, involved. It was so much information and, um, you know, it confirmed, you know, our ties to certain areas of the world for me, Thailand and Japan, which I already felt those connections. And I love how you also explain town, correct me if I'm wrong, wherever there are no lines in your chart, you may not feel a resonance with that state or land anymore. And for us, there were no lines running through Illinois anymore. And you were saying that's probably why you feel so called to move. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 Most of my clients where they are, there's like no lines and, you know, there's a lot of nuance to it. You know, um, I feel like if there's no lines where you're starting, then 1000% is probably time to move. You're getting that hit. You're probably ready for more astrological influence. You know, you're, you're coming out of that integration process with the land. And then for other places where people are like, I want to go to this place so bad, but there's no lines. Is that a bad thing? That's when the like, um, the ley line work comes in. Because oftentimes how I see it clairvoyantly is that like, there will be a lot of kinetic and rainbow energy on the land, even if, or like on the map, even if there's no astrological like, lines going through it so i'm like oh no yeah bro you're you need to go here because these things are coming through or whatever's coming through i'll you know go into it like that way so yeah it's like no lines it can be an amazing thing it can be a sign to move it can be a sign that you're being called from a karmic or dharmic level that has nothing to do with astrology um and i i love it when people are, are just like i want to go to these places and there's like a lot of lines or there's no lines and but there's something there and i always tell clients like Money isn't a limitation. You know, time isn't a limitation. Where do you want to go? You know, I feel like my most, my least interesting um, sessions are the ones where people are like, Saki, where should I go? You know, and I'm like, bro, like, where do you want to go? Because you know, and I'm here to confirm, to add more context, to redirect, give nuance where needed and inappropriate. And yeah. And I love how in the appointment, you kind of did like some energetic reading as well. I felt like you read me and my husband for filth and it was hilarious, like telling him about himself. And he's really not into this stuff, but because, you know, I don't know if you remember in the appointment, he had kind of like his arms crossed and he was just like, I'm just here because this is what she wants. And he was kind of like, hmm, okay, hmm, she's right. So I kind of feel like even if you're not into this type of stuff, I feel like it's an excellent tool to use to enhance your experience. Mm -hmm. So if you can explain a little bit more about like, I know what goes into it, but if you can explain what goes into an astrocartography appointment and like what happens. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. So 
like I said earlier, you guys, I'm an energy worker and an astrologer and an artist. And I feel like those three things really texture my approach to astrology and especially astrocartography. And so to begin, we start by like setting an energy container, doing some energy work. Um, I'll take a look at like the natal chart, the progress chart. Um, then we like take some of those guiding planets, some of those energies. Um, and I really like to spend time doing that natal chart and progress chart to kind of really get on the same page with the client about like what's happening to reveal themes that are incoming. And for those that aren't familiar with progressions, progressions in astrology is exactly what it sounds like. It's how your natal chart has progressed from the moment you were born till today. And so, for example, for me, I'm a Taurus sun. I'm born April 30th. Um, so my Taurus sun is 10 degrees. When I'm 25 now, so my progressed sun is five degrees in Gemini, right? So I only had to go through 20 years of my life maturing through Taurus because I was already born 10 degrees. Now I'm 25. I'm five years into Gemini, the next sign. So I'm always going to be a Taurus, but I love to work with that progress chart because it really reveals a lot of the themes that are present and current. Whereas the natal chart is us stretching the accordion and looking and seeing, okay, what is your foundational energy, right? And from there, you're, no one's a monolith. How have you progressed? And so we look at those things and then we pop into the astrocartography. I'll go through like all the preliminary stuff. What do these lines mean? What do these houses mean? What do these symbols mean? Just so that like if you choose to book a, a recording, you'll have all of that information in the recording. Um, and then we go into it and we, we dive deep and we pop around at least about six places um, and we'll see like what's happening. And then at the end, we'll do like more energy work. Um, we do some ley line work with the elementals of these places, because for me, it's not just about traveling as human beings and, oh, you know, we're global citizens. Let's go. Da, da, da. It's about exchanging medicine with the earth, you know, as human beings. We are also living, breathing ley lines, and we have the we have the beauty of being able to move. So, what are we bringing to a space? What are we exchanging with the space? Are we just extracting from it? Do we just want it to validate us? What are we offering to it? And so, I try to like in my astro cartography sessions calibrate people to that scope and relationship as well. Of like, yes, there are going to be some amazing lines. You're going to have some squaring lines, but don't run away from the squaring lines. It could be that the tension that arises in you is, uh, is like a geyser moment for the land. You're helping that land breathe and process some trauma or tension by working through it within yourself on that land. You know, so that's... um. Yeah, as you guys can see, I'm like really about this life. <laughs> and um, yeah, like that's that's really my approach for the astrocartography sessions. And I think that that's, you know, what you're pointing to when you're saying like you got so much more from it because it's not just about uh, this Jupiter line would bring you positive experiences. This Uranus line would help you in your like endeavors of gaining more popularity and recognition. It's much more it's much more nuanced and, and rangeful and layered as we are. Um, and it's my like absolute joy to help bridge people into that love and, and earth stewardship, really. I love that. And you didn't take a course for any of this, correct? Hell Naka. Okay. <laughs> I just I just wanted people to know that that, you know, you didn't take a course, you're not on Google, you didn't just 
learn this at the height of the pandemic just to make money. Like this is your work. Like you're really about this life. And I think that's so important for people to know. Um, this work is more than, you know, taking a course over the weekend, Googling a couple of things. Like it's, it's years and years of work and experience. So I have have journals, right? Um, I used to do, and I love that you brought that up because I'm a timekeeper and I'm a grandmother and my friends like laugh at me for it. Cause they're like, girl, you're 25. I'm like, I don't want, I'm like, I'm going to have kids, but because I want my grandkids, cause I know that I'm a grandmother and my grandkids be like heckling me at my altar. And I'm <laughs> so like, um, I guess I want to say old school or anciently futuristic with my approach to the planets. I have journals that are like volumes that my grandkids are like, keep them, keep them, or I keep them. And I did these like um, these rituals where I am talking, I'm picking a planet for 33 days. I'm talking to these planets. Shout out to the, the peace dealer. If you guys know the peace dealer, the astrologer, this is his 33 day ritual and, and it really helped me. And um, we're like picking a few planets, talking to these planets every single day, you're bringing them in, you're building relationships with them. You know, I did this, I've done a 33 day ritual at least 10 times mm-hmm. along with my own my own mathematics of like uh for like three years i would like write the dates right regular date i would like pull up time passages or planet watcher when planet watcher was a thing rest in peace planet watcher and i would like write where the moon is where the sun is um where mars is where venus is all the outer planets and i began to notice like my relationship and like my own uh, human cycles, depending on where the moon was. So for example, when the moon is in Virgo, I'm like the most productive. My dad's a Virgo. My uh, North node is Virgo. My Mars is also in Virgo. And so like, for me, whenever the moon's in Virgo, girl, I'm getting it together. I'm cleaning it up. I'm like, my planner is like stacked is good. And I love it. And it works for me. And then I had my, my brother, my friend who I did his, like, he's my first natal chart I ever did. For him, his Mars is in Libra. So when the moon is in Libra for him, he was noticing, oh, these things are happening for me, you know? And so it's that like self-inquiry of what your relationship is with these planets, with these signs, with the degrees. And it's so intricate that it's ongoing. I'm still learning things, you know, I'm still evolving, you know, especially as I'm weaving my um, psychic intuitive abilities with my practice and, you know, and, um, and, and it's so much more rich than just like Google. It's so much more like nuanced than like, oh, you're a Gemini, so you're kind of two-faced. And, you know, it's so much more, oh, you're a Cancer, so you're emotional. I feel like Cancers are some of the most unemotional people I've ever met, actually. Really? Actually. <laughs> you know, and, um, but, you know, it is what it is for you. And I think it's so important that like, in this age where we're like softening around, like working with esoteric and occult practices that we're also deeply valuing what that is for us, you know? Mm -hmm. So how would you recommend people build their own relationship instead of, I, I think it's great that we can book appointments with people like yourself, but how can people dive in and build a relationship for themselves with this work? Yeah, so some of the things that have helped me and keep in mind, y'all, I'm a Taurus sun, Aquarius moon, Cap rising. I got a Taurus stellium. My Mars is in Virgo. I'm hella earthy, right? So for me, really keeping a journal where 
I'm writing the dates, but I'm also reflecting on how that day was for me. I'm writing like what the, where the planets were, but I'm reflecting. So, so there's the field study approach, right? Let's call it that, the field study approach where you're like noticing where things are, you're reflecting on how it impacted you. So field study approach is starting with yourself. Mm-hmm. What are your cycles, right? What moon phases do you feel activated in? You know, people may be like releasing energy during a full moon. I was born during a last quarter phase. I find that last quarter phases are like my fucking new moon rebirth in cycle. And so what is your, what, what moon phase were you born in? Right? What was happening the week that you were born? Astrologically, you know, and like really start to pay attention. And this is, this may be also like the Aquarian in me too, where it's like, just pay attention to yourself in relation to the larger cosmos. I think that's a really great place to start. And then if you really bought that life, just start giving your friends natal readings. You'll get good at it. You'll just, you'll get good at it, bro. Like my brother, um, who I still have the journal and I did his, his natal reading from like Cafe Astrology years ago. This had, this might've been like 2016, 2015. And, um, I like wrote it down. I'm like decoding it. I'm like, and I like, I spent like six months decoding his natal chart for myself because I, because I was learning it as I was doing it. And it was just so much fun. And I think um, also don't be attached to what you want to do with this tool. Mm. You no, know? because I, I feel like that's something that the, that, that, that the planets can clock really well. Are you doing this because you're trying to make a quick buck and it's the cool thing to do and you just want to like, when you meet niggas on hand, you just want to read them, you know, (laughs) or like, are are you like, are you like about this shit and you really love this and you want to like, you want to enter our galactic community, you know, you want to like be relational with the higher clocks. And if so, then there's nothing that I can really say that could put point you in the right direction. The best thing that I can say is to you know, turn the volume and vibrancy up on your own relationship with these places. You know, someone may have a whole dissertation about why Leos suck and you may be in love with Leos. You may be like, no, those are my jammy jams. I need them. They ignite me. They, you know what I mean? And that's like a relationship, you know? Yeah, for me, I'm I'm a baby astrologer, so I'm trying. And uh, the best advice that I got is to just start with my chart. So that's what I've been doing, you know, like understanding, like what I I just learned the moon and the rising like a year ago. So I kind of feel like, you know, I'm getting my feet wet, just reading what's happening in my chart. And that's helping me to become more comfortable with everything that's going on with me. And like you said, kind of paying attention to what happened or, or what's coming up. So that's a recommendation I have start with yourself. And I feel like I've seen people trying to start with you know, reading other people for a quick book. And I'm like, what are you doing? You look crazy online. Like that's what? <laughs> yeah. If you're going to, if yeah. you're going to do that, then just do it by tip. Let yeah. That's cool. And to your point though, too, Kita, like I, okay. So I'm like, y'all, I'm kind of like OCD a little bit. So I like love journaling and like keeping track of where what sign and what moon phase the moon is in when my moon comes Mm. right because then it's like okay even if it's a little late then maybe it's coming on that same moon um zodiac moon sign transit even if it's a few days later or something um so that may be like fun for you guys too but it's just like so many different clocks to play in 
and you'll find what yours is. I feel like we're all astrologers, really. We can all have that. The we can, we're all timekeepers. It's just that is it your path or is it your purpose? You know what I mean? That may be different, but we all have that in us for sure. Yes, and it's not witchcraft. So <laughs> it's being. I love you for that. It's being. Astrology is not witchcraft. Astrology is being relational to the fact that we are on one planet in procession with other planets revolving around one star existing in our section of one arm of nine arms of one galaxy of infinite galaxies. Life is clocks within clocks and astrology helps us relate to those clocks and to those seasons. That's like saying, I don't believe in winter, so I'm not going to wear a coat. Okay, but it's still snow outside, guy. You know? <laughs> I love that. And as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, like I have, I know people that, you know, think astrology is witchcraft. But I remember being at the grocery store with some elders and then picking up the little astrology magazine, flipping through it while they're waiting to pay. And I'm like, well, why are you reading it if you don't believe in it? Mm-hmm. Yo, I love that you said that too. Um, Dr. Coco, Mama Coco, um, I went to Buku Hoodoo Fest in October and she was one of the keynote speakers, her and Louisa Tesh. Um, and Mama Coco said that like, you know, when during the transatlantic slave trade, when we were taking, taken from the coast and brought here, the trees changed, the land changed, but the stars remained the same. The sky mm. remained the same. The sky is all we had to, you know, rely on and to anchor us in these new worlds, in these new realms, you know? And so I think um, there's probably an ancestral trauma there, especially, you know, as Black Americans, you know, knowing the stars and knowing how to read the stars could have been a sign of you're trying to run. You feel me? Like, so I understand the trauma, um, but I want us to remember that, like, our destiny and our where we're going is just an is just a continuation of our fate in Africa, you know, of like where we were. And even if even if you know you got that bloodline where you were always here, right? You've always been here. You're from here, you know. You 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 know, and that's cool too. But like this like intermediate interruption of our relationship with the world around us is is over. We have the option to not renew those contracts. We have the option to uh, re-enter our place in society and in earth and in the global cosmos outside of these white um, limitations, these white supremacist limitations, and outside of the limitations of Abrahamic religions even, especially as Black and Native people. Those aren't our cosmology. Mm-hmm. And I was born and raised Muslim. So <laughs> yes, that's a whole other very interesting conversation that hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about in the future, um, because I think you have so much wisdom with that that I didn't even know you've been schooling me. So I appreciate that. Um, so I want to I want you to talk a little bit about your filmmaking. I think it's so cool. It's so awesome. I remember I saw um Forgive me, the name of the the film that you were just talking about with the trees. I watched it. Earth and Energies. Earth and Energies. Beautiful. And you do, I don't know the style of music it is that you do, but there's this one song that you did. I think it was, was it for the Wisdom Wins project that you had a while ago? Oh, yeah. It was like a meditative soundscape. Yes. I still, oh my God, that was so beautiful. If you can talk a little bit about the art that you create. Yeah. So... 
my creativity is just a wellspring. And then I have like all these little irrigation systems <laughs> where I like funnel it through. And since a kid, I wanted to be like an author and then I wanted to be like a filmmaker. And my dad actually wanted to be a filmmaker. He always says I get it from him. Um, and film for me has been a tool of transformation. It has been a tool of remembering, like R-E dash memory, like remembering my worldview. Mm-hmm. It's been a it's been a tool of, you know, processing the pain of my disconnection as an African American to um language, to place, to culture, to community. And it's also been a tool of like planting the air plant of being a black American into the soil and respecting the language that we have, the culture that we have, the style that we have and how particular our experience is, even though it is traumatic. And so film for me is really a space where I work those things out. And um, I'm working on a limited series right now, um, a a fantasy Afrofuturistic series that's going to go crazy. Um, (laughs) And another project that I'm working on that you're referencing is um, Primordial Powers. And so as you guys can hear, I'm like, I'm into the elementals. I'm an elemental myself. And um, I feel like part of my, um, my path and my purpose in this lifetime is to you know, be one of the many forces that are inviting people to heal our relationship with the elemental kingdom. And so Primordial Powers is a series where we're doing just that. Um, and so the there are many like elements of each episode. So there's like a blog post, a meditative soundscape, a film, um, playlists, like different offerings to just help people um, become more self um curious about their own natural relationship or begin to build new relationships with these places. So we have um, Primordial Powers, The Waters is out where we talk about, you know, water holding memory. And this was like in 2019, I think I released that one. Mm -hmm. Um, We're talking about like water holding memory. We're talking about, you know, um, the patterns of snowflakes. We're talking about the waters within ourselves, the waters within the earth. We're talking about how this earth is actually a water planet and how um, earth protruded from the water. We're even exploring ideas and concepts of stars being bodies of water at different levels. There isn't just the three states of waters, you know, solid, liquid, gas that continues. Um, And then we have primordial powers, earth and energies. And I was like, as an earth sign, I can't talk about this, you guys. I mean, it's a two-part blog post. It's pretty long. Um, and then my guys are like, you need to show them. You need to you need to be an energetic reference point for what this feels like. It's earth. Um, and so my homeboy, Brandon Armstrong, my favorite cinematographer, love him so much. He's an Aries too. Love him. Um, we went out to my favorite waterfall spot, the one I was speaking about earlier, and we got all of those shots. Um, well, we got one of the longest tracking shots. It only took us two takes. We did one take and that was just like us mapping out like the movement. And then the second take was just me doing my Qigong with the earth in this environment, breathing. There's this really sweet scene in the film where I'm like opening my arms and breathing and like a dragon fly just like flies on my finger. It was just the sweetest thing. Um, and yeah, that film was just me basically doing tree qigong mm-hmm. and, and and just breathing with the environment as a natural um, primordial woman. 
Um, and then the last episode was Wisdom Wins and my longtime collaborator, dear friend, Sag Sun, Aries Moon, Tamara. We made a smoke blend, Wisdom Wins the Smoke Blend, and we designed the boxes and we pre-rolled things. And she's a mass, she's so masterful at making smoke blends. So she had a really large part in the creation of the actual blend itself. And um, we put that out and that did well. And haven't put out the next episode. It's taken me two years and it's going to be dropping this year. Um, and this one's going to be Sacred Fire. And this episode took so much um, out of me and it required me to find my fire. Mm. And so this film is really, really dear, dear to me. I'm going to be torch dancing in it. And Yay. Uh, the past two years has been such a wild ride, but I feel like um, at a really eagle eye level, it has been me finding my fire in order to invite people to find theirs. I have to have find, found mine. And um, yeah, um, yeah, so. <laughs> That's so awesome. Thank you for sharing. I look forward to all of that. That's going to be so amazing. How can folks find you and how can they play with you in the ethers? Cool. Um, so you guys can find me on Insta and Twitter at Saki Savavi, S-A-K-I-S-A-V-A-V-I. Um, yeah, and my website is Celestial Drip, S-E-L-E-S-T-I-A-L-D-R-I-P.com. And I have um, membership containers that I just created a little while ago that are modeled after volcanic energy, you know, finding my fire. <laughs> um, and I think the you, you can join at the crater level for free. You can join at the conduit level for like 10 bucks and then the magma chamber level for about 15 to 20 bucks. And we do energy work. Um, so we have about three meetings a month right now. So we have the sacred ley lines meeting, which is for the highest tier or the deepest tier, depending on your vantage point. And at that tier, we're like doing geomancy work. We're joint coming together. We're taking turns doing energy work within ourselves and the earth. And um, our last meetup was so amazing. We did a lot of work with fire and water. Um, and then monthly, I have astro access sessions where I'm like um, stretching the accordion on the previous Zodiac uh, season and then the upcoming Zodiac season. We're talking about the retrogrades uh, with stationing direct. We're talking about minor transits, major transits. Um, we're talking about things to look out for during the season and in correspondences with the season. And then we're doing really deep energy work. So the energy work is for us to integrate the lessons of the previous Zodiac season and then to like, Oh, no, just welcome in the new energies coming with the upcoming season. Um, and then the other session we do is an elemental engagement where we're um, becoming more intimate and doing energy work with the elementals that rule and govern that season. So right now it's Aquarius season. So on Monday, we'll be working with big atmospheric elemental beings and of air. Um, and so, yeah. That's what we do and it's awesome. And then of course I have one-on-one -on -one sessions, astro cartography, personal tune-up, the works. Um, if you wanna book a free consultation to explore any of those sessions further with me via telephone, guys, it's telephone. I'm not gonna email you, it's gonna be telephone. Um, you can book that on my site as well. Awesome, and it's so worth it, guys. I highly, highly recommend it. I've been telling people that an astrocartography appointment with you feels like you're just handing us the keys to the universe. It's like a cheat code. 
So I, I recommend it. Saki, thank you so much for being here. And uh, I feel so happy and privileged to know you. And thank you so much for your time and the work that you do. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys for listening. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this episode supportive. I want to remind you that you are loved and you are safe to be seen as you are. See you next time.